LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Madeline Golia. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry each week. What comes to mind when you think of HR? That it's boring, restrictive, it's an area that you just don't feel equipped in. It's something for secular organizations. It's not for me in church. Well, welcome to a special mini-series of The One Thing, HR for Churches. How we lead our churches and ministry organizations is vital if we want to reach Australia. Uh, This series is for you if you're a senior minister in church, a church planter, a leader of a parachurch organization, or if you're on a staff team with any uh, one of these organizations. We believe at the heart of HR is a love for God's people. We want to see people cared for and loved in the organizations and the churches that we uh, are a part of. And to love each other well and to lead well is to lead with clarity and responsibility. In the next uh, few weeks, we won't be able to do everything in these episodes, but we want to get the conversation started. And if any issues are raised that you'd like our help with, feel free to reach out to Reach Australia. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, How to Manage Underperforming Staff. The reality is you may find yourself leading a staff team with an underperforming staff member or being part of a staff team with a peer who is underperforming. Uh, And today on the episode, our guest is Reverend Dr. Raj Gupta. Uh, He's an experienced pastor and rector within the Sydney Anglican Church, currently the senior minister of St. Paul's Anglican Church Carlingford, and also works with CMD in the Developing Rectors Program. So thanks for joining us, Raj. Pleasure, guys. Scott and Maddie, great to be with you. Good to have you. So uh, to get into it, at CMD, you have a leading staff workshop where you address underperformance. So some people listening may say underperforming feels very worldly. Uh, Many listeners may feel it's awkward to discuss in a church context, doesn't feel loving. Um, Can you address these objections or just speak to them? We would, in some ways, would love a better term. In fact, in many ways, we'd love a better term. If anyone has a better term, we'd love to hear it. We're used to ask people in the course. We don't like this term performance. Come up with a better one. And we just keep coming back to performance um, because it's just so widely understood. Um, But the other thing I want to say about it is there's actually a book written. I haven't got the author in my head, but it's called Beyond Nice. And it, it talks about the nature of staff in Christian organisations and relationships within Christian organisations. And as the title suggests, you know, it, it it has a long, I think, quite persuasive argument where people of mm. the grace of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we want to be nice. But but sometimes what that does is means we don't we, we define being nice as as not having open, honest conversations and clarifying conversations. And so this book is saying that actually is getting in the way of effectiveness. Mm. Um, and and so I just, your question, Maddie, sorry, it's a long answer, but no, no. hopefully it's hitting a few things. Um, you know, how do I, it, it actually is loving yeah. to people to have clear expectations. Yeah. It actually is loving with people to have honest conversations yeah. um, and and clarify areas in which there's been misunderstanding or um, um, where things have drifted off or whatever it is because 
we know, particularly in a sinful world, and we're in a sinful world this side of the return of Jesus, we know that things that aren't dealt with don't tend to go away. They tend to get worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so a, I think. Yeah. No, that's a good distinction because God isn't nice to us. He is loving to us and he calls us to be loving to one another, not to be nice and uh yeah, no, that's a that's a good. I wonder if we can also uh, you can just sort of share some experience. You you and Jill sounds like you did a lot of you know a lot of talking and and, and listening to stories. The experience mm-hmm. of being a staff member on a staff team where there's a, a underperforming you know an under underperforming member. So the impact that has on the whole team, the impact that has on the church and where and where you're going when you've got a staff member who and you know is not leading well and you're not the senior minister, so you can't really do much about it but you're impacted by it every day as a, as a team uh, you, member. You totally are. And as someone once said to me, um, Raj, we're talking about all kinds of situations and, and you know, if, if there's an issue within between a lead pastor and someone on the staff team, everyone else in that team knows about it mm. And, mm. and it has an impact. And one of the things it does, even though they may never say it, is it sets the expectations and the culture for how this team operates, yeah. mm. and and the team they may not there may be no conversation about it at all, but they are looking to see how you're going to deal with it, and if you're going to deal with it. Mm. Now, dealing with it, don't get me wrong, doesn't necessarily mean moving someone on, um, but it's it's looking to see how you support the person, how you help them develop, how what you know, and, and a whole bunch of things that are possible. Yeah. So when it comes to performance management, what are some of the differences that you need to be aware of between churches, organisation and, and versus a secular organisation? Yeah, thank you. I think the, the main thing, and, and we have a devotion on this for this very reason in our course, it's love. Jesus died for us and loves us. And, you know, we go to 1 John 4 that says, therefore, we should love one another. Um and, and so that characteristic, you know, we're concerned for the person in ministry context. Often when someone's working on a church staff team, um, what they've done, they've, they've moved home, they've moved their family, their kids go to different schools. It, it's not just an individual thing where you go home at the end of the day. It involves the mm. whole family. And added to that, 1 Timothy 3, it talks about, you know, the responsibility of a leader being God's household. Um, staff are very much part of God's household that we're entrusted with. Mm. And and so they're the they're the two things. In in some ways, I I find myself thinking, you know, one Corinthians twelve it talks about the body of Christ working together, and Ephesians four. Mm. There's, there's lots of similarities in those areas between church world and secular world, because that's talking about effectiveness, if I can put it as broadly as that. Mm. But these other things, one Timothy three and and also one John four love and being part there's a care dimension that comes but one of the things is in having a care dimension that doesn't mean ignoring issues that need to be talked about yeah and the reality yeah if you ignore it you you might feel like you're loving that that staff worker but the rest of the team is probably feeling quite unloved if you're letting things kind of spiral continue Uh, yeah that that's true but also maddie i think i would you know suggest it actually is un- ultimately unloving for that staff yeah. member. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So how can church leaders be proactive in minimising underperformance? This is a 15-minute podcast. Isn't <laughs> right? Let's just, yeah, let's just get your two, or, your two or three things, two or three things. Okay, number one, I would say 
to anyone who is a leader, get some staff, get some training in this area. Now, I feel a bit awkward about saying that, being the guy, you know, who we've Jill and we're getting others involved now, running the staff course with CMD. Um, um, but I think, let me put it like this, if there's another course out there, that's okay, do that. Um, I'm not aware of it. Don't is, feel uncomfortable, but... Raj. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So, okay, uh, And okay. I've, I've had a number of people do the course and so very keen to, to recommend well, it. thank you do for that encouragement, training. Scott. Um, number two, so so many issues arise from um, a mismatch of expectations mm-hmm. and I think that brings us back to things like having role descriptions. Uh, I think having role descriptions is becoming more common but still I think... My experience is 50% of people don't have role descriptions. Um, um, and so have a role description, even if you think you're on the same page. Mm. Um, you can have a role description and update it every couple of years. That's fine. And the way we talk about it is then have an objectives, you know, um, um, document that, that I see as a secondary level, so more detail than the role description. The role description is about purpose. Um, then the objectives is drilling down. It. What, what what does achieving that purpose look like under God um, uh, as best as we can see it for the next 12 months? Mm-hmm. So that com- that the com- combination of that is just, it, it's about being clear. Um, I find that mo- most, and then thirdly, so number one, get training. Number two, have clear expectations. Number three, coach people, meet with them regularly. Mm-hmm. And, and, if you if you have what I just talked about, you then have a framework to keep coming back to, and having the continuous conversations. Even in the secular world now, people are having continuous conversations far more than relying on annual reviews. Um, if if you have to have an annual review for things to come out, I I would suggest you're not involved with someone enough on an ongoing basis. That's yeah. really helpful, Raj. So yeah. so I want to. Get you into the awkward space now. This is this is why people are listening in today. If it's becoming clear that one of your staff is underperforming, can you talk us through the process? What's just emerged to me is there can be a variety of reasons behind what you look at and think is underperformance. And, and often we think in our heads this is going on, but actually what we don't know, it's, it's the trauma that's happening within someone's family. Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that actually we can support people with and we should if we love them and care for them as Jesus loved and died for us. Um, What's happening in someone's family or at the moment with Zoom, sorry, not just Zoom, but COVID, um, the the mental health issues Mm. that are emerging for people. So there's lots of things like that. There's other things that, you know, that, that also might be going on. Someone might be in a sense, moving on and wanting to expand their horizons in terms of what how they're serving the Lord. Um, that's not a bad thing for the kingdom. You know, I look in my own system at the moment, we have 25, 30 vacant churches, parishes in terms of rectors, and we need lots of people. We, we have to think beyond our own kind of thing. So sometimes it may, it may mean that it, it may end up in someone you know, moving on. Sometimes, sadly, it will be the case that someone they've they've done MTS, they've gone to college, they've done a few years in ministry. Sometimes they will be coming to the conclusion, or or they should come to the conclusion that maybe ministry is not for them. So, so Raj, that's really really helpful in sort of helping us helping the leader to go. It's not it's it's not simple. You need to be having that conversation with a staff member and thinking about what else is going on 
um, outside of your outside of your church, outside of the role, because they could be pushing in on on what's happening. It's it's the diagnosis question, I think. Sorry, maybe it would have been helpful to start with that word, but you, you have to go into a period of diagnosing what it is. And would you encourage you to be? Would you would you encourage the staff leader to or the church leader to be having that conversation with the person? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and having it openly in the early stages, as early as you can. The, the earlier you deal with something, the and deal with. Sometimes people think that means moving someone on. I'm not saying that at all. But the earlier you enter into an open dialogue with someone, um, this is the same in marriage, isn't it? <laughs> um, the 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 easier these issues become. So you've diagnosed uh, there's a problem. A person's performance they're not being effective in the role. It's it's impactful enough that you need to have uh, the conversation. Uh, what what do you do next? Well, it, so it depends on where you've landed with that. So if it's, you know, if someone's struggling with mental health, for example, my question is then how do I support some? I've been in this situation. How do I support someone in that, in that situation? Which is what I want to do because the win for them, the win for the gospel, the win for the church is, is them coming out of that um, and being reinvigorated for ministry. So mm-hmm. I then ask myself, well, how can I support? Sometimes it's a matter of, their, their role involves doing things that they have, they've never been trained or equipped to do. Mm. How can I coach? How, is What training is there out there that they can be supported with? Um, so, so often having that constructive conversation together can, you know, push into that kind of place. Mm. Other times, though, it is, it is more difficult. It is more challenging. And you're right, Scott, this is why a lot of people are listening. But I, I do think people can jump here too quickly. Mm. And... Um, then you just you you there's different tools around that uh, you know one of the things I've done on more than one occasion is just combine this with the self development space. Um, I want to understand where someone's up to and what is the next step for them. How can I provide that? That's my ideal. Yeah, which um, it, it, helpful to see that it's it's not going to be a one off conversation. Um, and helpful to see your role. There's there's support. There's development. There's ongoing coaching, and there's there's all the proactive steps that you hopefully have implemented before this, um, that are meaning you know the meaning you're not having this you know not having to have this conversation, but yeah. even after all of these things, <laughs> you still have to uh, have the conversation. So you've tried to develop you've tried to develop them, uh, or you've given them that support, and it's just um, it's just not working out. Yeah. How do you have that conversation? Well, this is a long episode, so we've split it into two parts. Make sure you tune in to part two.